My name is Jim Fleming, and this is Our Sunday School. I'm coming to you from the Hickson campus of Stewart Heights Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And we'd love to have you come and visit us. But if you're not in the area, please go to OurSundaySchool.com to see all of the resources we saw in class. Good morning, everybody. All right, welcome to Our Sunday School. I'm glad you're here this morning. Uh, if you got your handout, it's the same one from last week, if you still got last week, so we got some new ones on the table. Up to you. And um, We're looking forward to uh, finishing up this story of the, uh, the man who once was possessed with a legion of demons today. So, But before we get into that, I want to ask our question that we ask each week. So what is God doing in you through His Word from the portion of Mark we have studied so far? Albert, yes. See, some of you can't stand awkward silence. I am completely comfortable with it. I can sit here and do this all day long. It doesn't bother me at all. So, Albert hates it. This in conjunction with, I told you about reading Ruth. Yep. Reading what? Ruth. Ruth, yes. Yes. Oh, yeah. And it gets his approval. Yeah. Or, you know, denied or whatever. But, <clears throat> and you made a comment one time that said um, that. These are the kind of statements that make me nervous. You said this one time. Imagine everything if there were not a son of God in control. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I say that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, good. He is sovereign and is sovereignly in control, and he doesn't share his sovereignty with anyone, no matter how scary they look, no matter what they say, no matter how they present. There's only one sovereign king of the universe. And he's not taking applications for assistance. <laughs> yeah. What else? What is God doing in you through his word from the portion of Mark that we've studied so far? So what we're about to see today, and what we're going to see next week, It does, doesn't it? What's it designed to do, right? Yeah. 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 
Yeah, for, for me, uh, Mark 5 is a uh, just a direct confrontation to our 21st century American Christianity uh, and what we have decided to bow down in worship, yeah, as opposed to the one who is worthy of our worship. So, yeah. All right, one more. What is God doing in you through His Word from the portion of Mark we've studied so far? Yes, Matt? Even when it came to um, just telling the people, all right, go back, but tell no one of this. Right. He was on mission. Did he know that they were going to go back and tell every single person in the village? <laughs> yeah. Yes, he did. Yeah. But yet he still said it. Right. Why did he say it? Because that's what God wanted him to say. Yep. Just like in everything that he tells us to do, to the, all these things, it's just he, he prayed. Did he need to really go to the mountain and pray? I mean, this was God. Could say no because he is God. He did all of this for us, so it's just it's it's an encouragement to me to see that anyway, God and man just submitted himself to God's authority and just uh, Amen. just authorized it and just uh, and then he asked us to do the same. Oh, there you go. You and landed he enables it. Enables us through himself to be able to do it. That's it's exactly right. That. So it's just it's just amazing. It's a full Trinitarian effort. So it's the plan of God executed flawlessly by the Son of God, empowered by the Spirit of God. It's just, it's just beautiful, right? It's just absolutely beautiful. Excellent, excellent, excellent. All right, we left off uh, last week uh, somewhere toward the bottom half of page 145 on your handout. So go ahead and... Uh, <laughs> I'm teaching off of an iPad, and I almost said go ahead and scroll down to that page, but you should probably turn the pages, so... Oh my, we almost forgot. Whew. Don't let me go there, Tim. God help us if... Wow, all right. What do we do first? That we read, yes. <sighs> Forgive me, Lord. So we are going to read uh, Mark chapter 5 today. <clears throat> Mark 5. They came to the other side of the sea to the country of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs. And no one could bind him any more, not even with a chain, for he had often been bound with shackles and chains. But he wrenched the chains apart, and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? He replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him, saying, Send us to the pigs, let us enter them. So he gave them permission. And the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs, and the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. The herdsmen fled and told it in the city and in the country. And people came to see what it was that had happened. And they came to see Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man 
the one who had the legion sitting there, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs. And they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. And as he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. And he did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. He went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. And when Jesus had crossed again into the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, so that she may be made well and live. And we went with him. And a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for twelve years, and who had suffered much under many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, If I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. And while he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house someone who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing they said, what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. They came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had entered, he said to them, Why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. And taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha Kumai which means, little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking, for she was twelve years of age, and they were immediately overcome with amazement. And he strictly charged them that no one should know this, and he told them to give her something to eat. What a day. (laughs) It just, it strikes me sometimes how, how much, uh, the Lord accomplished in such a short period of time. And I'm thankful, so grateful. So toward the bottom of page 145, left off last week with the phrase, the legion uh, sitting there. So the demon-possessed man, the one who had the legion, sitting there, clothed and in his right mind. And we talked for just a second about uh, these three things being specifically called out. So sitting, which was not his state before the interaction with Jesus. Clothed, which implies that that might not have been his state before his interaction with Jesus. And certainly if you had a legion of demons, uh, in your right mind was not his state before his interaction with Jesus. And the thing I love about the in his right mind is it's a present active participle. So I don't know how long it took from the time that the demons were cast out of the man for 
those who had seen this to go and to come back and to report back and to bring others. But by that time, this was already a habit for this man. And I, I love the fact that, that Jesus cast out these demons. That what, a, what a wonderful gift. But he also gave him his mind back. He is now sane. And the people who saw this were what? They were afraid. Now there's a couple ways you can translate phobeo. Uh, it's to frighten, to be alarmed, or be in awe of. And I don't want to go too far, but it's possible that all three were in taking place at the same time here. Um, and then we get to verse 16. He says, and those who had seen it. So when we, many times when we read through a narrative portion of Scripture, what we will see is a very, very small slice of the perspective of the account. And then when there's a retelling, when there's a different telling, we see a bit of an expanded view. So those who had seen it described to them what had happened. So there were others who saw this interaction and described it. So top of page 146, they described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man. Is the sentence in there? To the demon-possessed man, is there a period then? What else? And to the pigs. We are so easily distracted with pigs and with demons. Uh, what's the story of Jonah about? Don't you dare say a whale. <laughs> what's the story of Nehemiah about? Don't you dare say a wall. This is a story of salvation. This is a beautiful story of going from darkness into light. And there just happen to be demons and pigs. <laughs> right? Let's not get distracted with the thing that's not the main character. Because the main character in this story is Jesus Christ. It's certainly not the demons. It's certainly not the pigs. And we don't even know the man's name. He's just another. So then we get to verse 17. And they began to beg. So who's the they there? Yeah, these people who, were, who had gathered back around, right? So they began to beg. And this is uh, parakaleo. This is a, a word that's shockingly similar to uh, parakalete, the, the, noun verb for, the noun word for the Holy Spirit, to implore or to exhort. And if you look at where this word occurs, so it occurs in Mark 1.40, and then in chapter 5.10, 5.12, 5.17, 5.18, 5.23. times in chapter 5. It might be a key word in chapter 5. It's a big deal. We get to see in chapter 5 how Jesus responds to begging. Which gives us a glimpse into the nature of our God. Because I don't know if you've ever begged God for anything. I'm, I bet a nickel you probably have. 
And I'd bet a nickel it was not a good day when you were begging. It's hard in the begging days. And not one time does he turn a deaf ear. He always responds. They began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. So if this was his first interaction in this space, and it was a substantial hit to their economy, they're extrapolating, and they're concerned about the extrapolation. What's step number two going to be? What's step number five going to be? Where is he going to stop this? Why don't you leave, right? Why don't you leave? So they beg Jesus to depart from their region, their boundaries. And then verse 18, And as he was getting into the boat. Now the getting is a present active participle. So this implies that he was doing this more than once. Which doesn't make a lot of sense until you read a little bit further. As he was getting into the boat, the man with the demon with who had been possessed with demons begged again this word begged him that he might be with him. So I want to show you what I think this actually looked like. So Daniel, can you help me for a second? No? Albert, can you help me for a second? Cool. So you're going to be Jesus, and Josh is in the boat already, because Josh is a sailor, and he knows how to, and I don't, I'm the demon-possessed guy. Well, the no longer demon-possessed guy, right? So get in the boat. No, 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 please, please, let me go with you. No, 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 please, let me go with you. Go, go, go. No, 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 please, let me go with you. You see this? That's beautiful. Because if anybody knew what this guy had been through, it was this guy. This man shows up, and in a matter of minutes, my whole life has changed. I am actively, habitually in my right mind. And he didn't want to let Jesus go. And I don't blame him. (laughs) I would want to hang out with him more too. Because if this was the first explanation, he's trying to do the extrapolation too. What's next? Pretty awesome stuff. Pretty awesome stuff. The man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with. This word uh, with at the top of page uh, 147 is to accompany or to be amid. He wanted to be around Jesus. And verse 19, and he did not permit him. Sometimes I'm surprised by God's actions. <laughs> right? You read through the scripture and you go, that's not what I would have expected. I would have expected Jesus is building his discipleship cadre and he's calling people to himself and he's building the kingdom and he is. But they didn't all have to be with him for that to happen. So he did not permit him, but said to him, and this, is, this may sound familiar, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you. What's the first word he says to him? Go. And this is a present active imperative. This is a command that's meant to be repeated habitually. Habitually. 
He says, go home. The word home can mean a dwelling or a family. I actually don't prefer the ESV's translation of the word friends here. Because the word friends is not in the text anywhere. A, a better, more, uh, more adherent rendering of this might be, go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you. And that might have been a tough conversation. Whether it was his friends, whether it was family, whether it was anybody that knew him before, this was going to be a tough conversation. Right? Because if you have ever done something or been associated with something exceedingly foolish and then gone back and tried to restore relationships and tell people about the truth that is now involved in your life, that is not an easy conversation. But the Greek in verse 19 is absolutely beautiful. So I want you to look at these words. And these are typically the words that we skip over. The pronouns and the prepositions and the articles. You see the word home there about halfway down the page on 147. It says home, and then you get to, I'm going to read it for you. That's oikos, it's a noun, singular, masculine, accusative, a dwelling, more or less extensive, to by implication, a family, more or less related. Occurs 13 times in Mark. And then there's a G4771, Sue, right? And it's a personal pronoun. And it's a second singular genitive. And then there's the word pros. And then there's the word ho. And then the word sos. Literally translated is you to the yours. I love that. And uh, you may or may not be aware, but we, we don't really schedule a lot of stuff <laughs> in our class right now. We just when we get to the text, we pick up the next part and away we go. But I think it's pretty interesting that the text for this week says, go home, you to the yours. In a week where many of us will go home. And he doesn't just stop there. He doesn't just say, go back and let everybody see the difference. Because I promise you, anybody that knew this guy would have been able to instantly see the difference. But seeing the difference is not enough. This is why uh, lifestyle evangelism, which was popular several decades ago, is not what Jesus calls us to. He does not call us to go just be a good example. He calls us to go and to tell. And this is the uh, apagello. Uh, it's an active imperative. It means to declare, to announce, to go and to tell them how much who? The Lord. <laughs> Don't tell me Jesus wasn't telling people he was God. <laughs> here it is right here. Because who did something for him? Jesus did something for him, right? This word, curios, uh, is used 18 times in Mark, and 16 of them are about Jesus Christ. Tell them how much the Lord has done. Perfect tense. It's beautiful. For you and, Sean, and, because there's always more, and how he, the Lord, has had mercy on you. Now, this is a beautiful word. I want to flip over to Mark 10, uh, 47 and 48. I want to show you where else this is used in Mark. Mark 10, 47 and 10, 48. So we'll start in verse 46. And they came to Jericho. And as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, 
Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he, Bartimaeus, heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. It's only three times in Mark where this word is used. 519, 1047, 1048. And all three of them revolve around some physical condition that Jesus was around. And what happened at the end of verse or end of chapter 10? What happened to Bartimaeus? Did he leave blind? No, he did not leave blind. His eyes were opened. His spiritual eyes were opened. It was so, such a beautiful, a beautiful story. So how much the Lord has done, there was an action and there was a mercy. Right? And those are two different things. See, sometimes we like to thank God for just what He's done for us. And in many, 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 many tables around this world this next week, uh, there will be, what are you thankful for? Well, I'm thankful for our home. What are you thankful for? I'm thankful for our family. What are you thankful for? I'm thankful we have a, a clothes that we can wear. What are you thankful for? Well, I'm thankful for we have vehicles that we, okay. What are you thankful for? I'm thankful for my education. What are you thankful for? I'm thankful. And it'll be stuff and stuff and stuff and stuff and stuff. And I will challenge you this Thanksgiving, if it is your tradition to go around the table and list what you are thankful for, to be thankful for God's character. I am thankful that God is this. I am thankful that God is this. I am thankful that God is this. It's a lot of fun, by the way. So he was supposed to testify of what he has done and how he has had mercy. And can we not say that we are the same? Can we not testify and say that we are thankful for what God has done? Right? And that God has had mercy on us? There's only one sovereign king in the universe. And he decides how his mercy is distributed. And I am thankful that he has given it to us. So verse 20. And he went away. So who's the he in verse 20? The unknown man, right? The healed man. And he went away and began to proclaim. All right. So a couple of weeks ago, maybe more than a couple, uh, and there's a pattern to this. But this is a town crier. Uh, This used to be an official position in a lot of places in uh, the... um, And I don't know if you can see the actual announcement. Can you see the announcement here? Yeah, I couldn't find one that didn't talk about uh, Harry and uh, Meghan. But uh, that's what this one is. And uh, when there was something significant to proclaim, Caruso. This is a proclamation of truth. This is a declaration of something that I know. This is a celebration of some data, some fact, some story that this guy has that people around needed to be aware of. And this is the word. The word is Caruso. And a couple of weeks ago, I got to talk about this um, on, from the pulpit on Sunday morning. 
with the repent and believe in the gospel. And this is the word, this is my favorite word for preaching, to herald, to proclaim, to, to announce. This wasn't a timid thing. It wasn't a quiet thing. It wasn't a, hey, let me, let me whisper this. No, 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 no. That's not what this word is. This word is, everybody around him knew this. This word is actively, passionately engaged in the communication of a thing. It's a beautiful word. So uh, flip over to your maps. If you've got a map, flip over to your maps. So he began to proclaim to Caruso in the Decapolis. And sometimes we just go, yeah, 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 okay, whatever. That's another word, you know, right? Just hard word, go past it. Where's the Decapolis? If you're using the map that I gave you, it's this big green section. Now, for those of you that are intimately familiar with Jesus' teaching ministry, the the geographical reach of his teaching ministry, where he personally was, how often was he in the Decapolis? Not a lot. This is not where he was. Do you think Jesus knew that? Okay, let let me give you help. Whenever I ask that question, the answer is always yes. (laughs) You think Jesus knew that? (laughs) Yes, Jesus knew that. So he's got this guy going to all these different... And if you'll notice, it, like it cuts off here. It actually extends quite a bit further beyond the boundary of what this map actually shows. So his job, directly from Jesus for the rest of his life, was to go and tell. So where'd he go? Where did Jesus tell him to go? Go home. Told him to go home, right? And where does he go? The whole region. Why would he have gone? So we're going to guess here for just a second. Why did he go to the whole region? Because it's home. It's home. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. This is home. We're not told how long he had these demons. We're not told how many places he might or may not have gotten kicked out of before he landed where Jesus was in the tombs there. But this was home for him. That's a big area. (laughs) It's a really, really big area. (laughs) And I would argue that he was possessed. Is that where you're going? Yeah. 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 Took the evil spirits out, put the Holy Spirit in. Interesting stuff. Yes, ma'am. Um, you know, he went home and he told. No, great. Go for it. Yes. Yes. Why would they have marveled? You told people at home the word of mouth. You know, that's the best PR. Word of mouth. So everyone heard. Yeah, I. The, I heard somebody say one time, I don't believe in God, but I can't explain you. I was like, that'll work. And how do you explain this? How do you explain the guy who stayed up all night long and all day long 
crying out and cutting himself. And he's scarred up. And he's living amongst the tombs. How do you explain that he's sane and in his right mind? You've had a divine interaction. So he began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much who? Jesus had done for him. He connects. So Jesus gave him the pieces to connect. I'm the Lord. And then what does he do with those pieces? He connects those pieces. How much Jesus has done for him and everyone. Isn't it a beautiful word? Everyone marveled. Now this word marveled is a gorgeous word too. Let's go over to Mark 15. It shows up a couple of times there in Mark 15. And we'll end with marveled. Come on. Come on. It's not the same business model, is it? No, it's not. Sorry, yes. He had, hadn't he? Yeah. Where were those people when he said, don't say a word, don't say a word? They're over here, right? Because there was a specific time he was going to be ready for the folks over here for the light switch to go on. But he was already ready for the folks over here. And he doesn't lay this out and explain to us why. This is one of those, we have to trust the sovereign hand of our king. And quite frankly, we don't deserve to know why. I'm not asking questions about, well, why over here? What? I'm just grateful he said, Go. Because one of those people that he said go to told somebody. <laughs> you told somebody, you told somebody, you told somebody, you told somebody, you told me, I told you. This is our spiritual heritage right here, what's happening. It's gorgeous. It's stunningly be- just beautiful. Oh, it's so beautiful. Yeah. So Mark 15. Yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. As far as that split about telling him to go tell everybody, other side of the river there in the Jewish area. He did he told them not to. I think part of it might be they should have known. Oh yeah, they should have known, absolutely. Everything in the scripture, everything in their lives pointed. Yeah. But over on the east side of the river, those were Gentiles. Right. And uh, they didn't know. Right. They had no way to know. So this this was it for them. Yep. He he might not be back. Right. This is one of the re- because he went to the capitalist is one of the reasons that I think that he was actually a Gentile man because um, home was over here. Home was not over there. Um, we talked about that a little bit and I said, hey, well, we may we may touch on that a little bit later. And that's that would be now. I think he was a Gentile guy. If he wasn't. OK, that's fine. But he went home and home's over here and probably ish. You know, that's OK. But let's look at this word, everyone, and then we'll stop. So Mark chapter 15, so this is Jesus is being delivered to Pilate. Uh, Pilate asks him, are you the king of the Jews? In verse 2, Jesus answered him and said, you have said so. And the chief priests accused him of many things. And Pilate asked him again, have you no answer to make? See how many charges they bring against you. But Jesus made no further answer so that Pilate was amazed. 
skip on down later in the chapter to verse uh, 42. And when evening had come, since it was the day of preparation, that is the day before the Sabbath, Joseph of Arimathea, a respected member of the council, who was also himself looking for the kingdom of God, took courage and went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. And Pilate was surprised to hear that he should have already died. Jesus surprised Pilate twice. I think he actually surprised a lot of people through his life. (laughs) We just get it recorded here this way, very specifically. But this is the same kind of a, huh? What? That's, that's, I didn't, when something happens that you weren't expecting to happen, this is the word. And isn't that true of salvation? Something happens that we weren't expecting to happen. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And I am excited that, Lord willing, next week, uh, Josh is going to take us. And I want you to look at Mark chapter 5 for just a second. I'm going to show you what our, what our tentative plan is. I hate saying the word plan now. I just hate it. <laughs> so we just walked through verse 20 of chapter 5. Uh, I asked Josh to teach next weekend. I wasn't sure if we were going to be out of town. We're actually not going to be out of town, so I'm excited to get to hear Josh teach next week, which is awesome. But there's a, from verse 21 to 24, is kind of the introduction to the story of Jairus. And then you get interrupted with the second half of 24 all the way down to 34. And then we go back to Jairus. And we we talked a little bit about how how to do that. And what we settled on was that Josh is going to start next week with the story of um, the Syrophoenician woman there in 24b all the way down through 34. And then I'll come back the week after and start with 21. So we'll go a little bit out of order, but it'll hopefully keep the the stories a bit more compacted. Uh, and Josh has, uh, this is a unit of measure at my house, a crap ton of verses to cover next week. So y'all need to pray for him that uh, that he can get through that because it's a lot. <laughs> But he already got to practice once, so it's fantastic. So, so we'll do that, and then maybe 21 through 24 the week after, and then uh, we'll see where we get to toward the end of Mark 5 in December-ish. Maybe. We'll see. All right, so at your tables, you should have a weekly update. It looks like this. And uh, I would love for you to look through that. Pray over those prayer requests. Jot any new prayer requests down. I will ask one special favor this morning. Uh, my wife is homesick, and uh, she does our attendance. And Darla is out today at her uh, son's church watching her grandchild be dedicated to the Lord, which is fantastic. So I'm down both of my documentarians this morning. So if you could make sure that... Everybody at your table has their name written down at the bottom of this weekly update. That would help. That'll make sure we get attendance right. And then uh, after that, you are dismissed. If you pray as a table, you are dismissed to go and to worship the one whom is it all about. The one who can make change and salvation in our lives. So thanks for coming to Sunday School today, guys. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and to our weekly email. You can do both at OurSundaySchool.com.